How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. It's Eric Erickson here. The third hour of the show today, the phone number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Happy to have you. Uh, Please, please, you'll do me a huge favor. If you will text DATA to 33777, the word DATA, to 33777 and pre-order my new book. You shall be as gods. You can the pre-order started yesterday. You make me look good to the publisher. So I get to write another book after this one. Not that I want to, but I'm sure inevitably I'll write another book. You know, you know, the book that I want to write, how we've forgotten so much of the important stuff. We we've just like, we've gone brain dead as, as a people, uh, you know, like, for example, um, low taxes work to stimulate business. Uh, having a two-parent nuclear household is the best way to raise kids. Uh, judging people by their character instead of their color is actually a, a smart thing to do. Um, it's it's remarkable how much we as a society have forgotten. Oh, and also that uh, in biology, there are males and females. There aren't actually other genders. Thanks, Lord. That should be the next book. Uh, see, I told you so again, except not by Rush Limbaugh. Uh, anyway, I got to move on. Speaking of MLK, yeah, I, I, I we'll, we'll talk about Hamas, but I think I'd rather talk about this because I find this bizarre. Martin Luther King Jr. was a man. He was not a god. He's not a saint. Martin Luther King Jr. was a man. He was a flawed man. He was a man prone to the vices of men. He he had an affair. He flirted with communists and Marxists. He was not, um, he was not a perfect person. And I think most people know these things. He was spied on by the FBI. It was very ironic on Martin Luther King Jr. Day yesterday, the FBI put out a social media post praising Martin Luther King Jr. Never mind, they spied on him and tried to frame him and and blackmail him, and they treated him horribly. But here's the thing about Martin Luther King Jr. We have gone through this phase of people on the left vilifying the founders by their worst attributes. They were slave owners, or they just they had they had vices. They weren't great people. And we on our side, on the right, have said you shouldn't judge the men. By that, they were complicated people. They were men. But look at what they did. They founded this great country. They pledged their lives, their fortunes, fortunes, their sacred honor to found this country. And the left wants to vilify them all by by one or two bad things they did, by a handful of bad things they did, pay no attention to the rest. 
I don't think our side should respond by doing that to a guy like Martin Luther King, particularly at a time right now where those on the left are turning against his legacy. It's remarkable if you follow along with the dictates of the left these days, they're actually deeply critical of Martin Luther King Jr. because of his pacifism, his non-aggression. They're also condemnatory of Gandhi. Of all the people the left would turn against, I didn't have Gandhi on the card, but they are. They're, you've actually got people on the left now who are like, you know, he, he was a, a wimp for saying not to fight. He should have fought. He could have gotten ahead faster. That's their argument with Martin Luther King, is that had Martin Luther King turned to violence, Martin Luther King could have gotten what he wanted quicker. The New York Times this weekend did a profile of a man who wrote a book, How to Build a Pipe Bomb. The book does not actually give you directions for how to build a pipe bomb. But what the book does, what the man does, is he calls for violence. This man, because of global warming, believes that uh, global warming activists need to become violent, that they will get their way, they will change people's minds, they will drive people to fear with violence. Now, the violence he's calling for is property violence, destruction of property. Remember, in the ideological, uh, religious views of the left these days, violence against property is not violence because you have insurance. Violence is only violence if it's against people. And if it's against the right kind of people, that's not even violence, according to the left. I write about this stuff in my new book, You Shall Be His Gods. It's a religious orthodoxy of the left that violence against bad people, people you don't like, people who are heretics of left-wing orthodoxy, and violence against property is no longer violence. It's justifiable resistance. So the New York Times profiles this writer who's calling on the climate activists to become violent, that they need more property destruction. He says they need more violence against property. And let's be honest here. Let's be real honest. You had that Hollywood celebrity, Little Naz, whoever, who dressed up mockingly like Jesus. He's now apologized. People felt it was blasphemous. He's apologized after doing it. He would never do that to Muhammad. You're not going to go draw a cartoon of Muhammad. They'll come ch cut your head off. You know it's true. All the brave souls who will mock Jesus Christ would never do it to Muhammad because they're not actually brave, they're chickens. Jesus is low-hanging fruit. His followers believe in turning the other cheek. Muhammad's believe in chopping off your head. Hello, Charlie Hebdo, which will now not do parodies of Muhammad. Why? Because their original staff all died. So the new staff's like, yep, we're not going to do anything about Islam anymore. That's where the climate change activists who believe in violence are coming from. It works so well with the Muslims. Nobody mocks Muhammad. We should blow stuff up. And then we'll get people to suddenly move on climate change because they won't want their property destroyed. And, and the guy's like, yeah, this may lead to violence against people. But, yeah, if, if it does, we'll have to readdress. And maybe that's not a bad thing. So you have the left now vilifying Martin Luther King Jr., 
Martin Luther King Jr. said that we should judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And the new modern intersectionalists are like, no, 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 we should judge people by the color of their skin. And those who are non-white, who have more melanin, we should elevate them in society because the people without the melanin, they're the bad guys. They're the villains in the story, and they should be treated as villains. They can be our allies, but only if they give us what, they, what we want. So along come right-wing reactionists like Charlie Kirk. And they've decided that now is the perfect time to attack the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. And there are some boomers on the right who are like, yes, that guy was a communist adulterer. Why do we have a holiday for him? You have a holiday for Martin Luther King Jr. because he took a bullet for the idea that all men are actually created equal. I don't know if you know this or not, but the man was assassinated because he believed in peaceful resistance to agitate for all men being created equal for this country living up to its founding ideals. And you want to vilify this guy, you're no better than the left doing that to people like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and, and Theodore Roosevelt taking a statue down. You've condemned them for doing that to the founders, and now you want to do it to a guy like Martin Luther King Jr. At a time the left is turning against him, it seems like a better time to embrace his ideals, acknowledge the flaws. He flirted with communism and Marxism. He was an adulterer. He did some things that were not good, but he took a bullet for the ideas of the founders of this country that all men are created equal. He advocated nonviolence at a time the left is calling for violence. But there's more to it than that as well. At a time that non-white Democrats are moving to the GOP, that's when you want to go to war on this issue? What a stupid thing to do. You have a growing number of non-white Americans who are turning to the political party that Martin Luther King Jr. belonged to. He was a Republican. They're moving away from the white, woke liberals to the GOP. And now you've decided to go to war against Martin Luther King Jr.? A man who urged Americans to judge each other by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. You want to go to war with that guy because you think he's been too lionized? That's exactly what the left did. The moral of the story here is that when you respond to the left with the behaviors of the left, you're not really providing Americans an alternative. You're allowing the left to control you. This is like the idea of forgiveness. I know people, I may be related to people who have a hard time letting stuff go who have a hard time forgiving. Even Martin Luther King talked about Christ on the cross, said, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. These people weren't coming to him saying, hey, I'm sorry I offended you in this way. I'm sorry I put that crown of thorns on your head. I'm sorry I put the nail in your wrist to stick you on the cross. I'm sorry for X, Y, and Z. Christ didn't wait for the apology. He just said, forgive them. 
Martin Luther King Jr. took that message of forgiveness, that we need reconciliation in this country with a powerful brand of forgiveness and a call to what our founding ideals were, that we are a country created by God where all men are created equal, black and white, other colors, male and female. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what Martin Luther King Jr. was calling us to. At a time the left is calling people to violence, at a time the left is calling people to judge each other by their color, you want to go to war with Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy and say it was overblown? The man was flawed, and I think most everyone knows it. But to reciprocate to the left and do what they do to behave as they behave gets you absolutely nothing. You know, you don't provide an alternative or a contrast to the left to become just like the left. Where they are X and you are negative X, you could be Y instead. Offer a completely different vision of the country instead of the same vision as the left, just in opposites. It's just dumb to try to do this particularly at a time so many non-white Americans are flirting with the GOP. You might as well, you, I mean, you're trotting out your inner racist. Hey, let's vilify the guy who took a bullet for the founding ideals of the country. Yes, yes, that's a real smart strategy. People are idiots, y'all. People are stupid. The reactionary right is no different from the left, and they're not really, really able to persuade people to be on the right because they're reactionary. You want to persuade people to be on the right, persuade them with a positive vision of the country that shows why the left is wrong, why we shouldn't judge people by the one bad thing they've done, why we should recognize people are flawed and complicated, but in history, the flawed and complicated person can rise to the precipice and lead because he was able to transcend his flaws and do something good. You know, my favorite MLK speech isn't his I Have a Dream speech. It's his street sweeper speech. It really speaks to me. It, 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 I, I find it to be just one of the most powerful speeches. He said at this church, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as a Michelangelo painted or a Beethoven composed music or a Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. If you can't be a tree, be a bush, but be the best bush you can be. Now, the left and the reactionary right would say, oh, yeah, he was a street sweeper who swept streets well. But do you know he donated to this political group you hate? You should stop praising that street sweeper. He was bad because of this one thing he did. We all are sinners, including Martin Luther King Jr. But he took a bullet for America's founding ideals. You can recognize he's flawed, but to try to discredit him as the left is discrediting those people you like, that's just no better than the left. It's, it's not a competing vision. It's just doing what they do, and we on our side should actually do differently. Welcome back. Let's check in on the phones here. Arthur's got a comment about MLK. Welcome, Arthur. How are you? Hey, good. Uh, my comment is about uh, what Martin 
what they say in Martin Luther King should have or could have done differently. Mm-hmm. And I always get, I always laugh when I hear somebody say that because who knows how it would have turned out, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you hear you know, people saying we shouldn't have dropped the bombs on uh, Japan. Well, how would, what, what shape would Japan be in today if we had not of, you know? So nobody knows what would have happened had he taken a different course. Yeah, the, the, the whole the right woulda, course. shoulda, coulda game is 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 silly. Um, trying to redefine his legacy as, as something else is, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I got no time for it. Everybody fighting over what should have happened, would have happened, what we should have done differently. I mean, here's reality. Here's where we are. So how do you deal with it as opposed to, hey, let, let's let's go attack the man now. Um, exactly. I mean, yeah. And look at all the people he inspired. Yes, right? exactly. So Including that, that a lot away. of Republicans. Yeah, it's just, it, it's, uh, the, the grifters are going to grift. Arthur, look, I appreciate it. Got to let you go there. Grifters going to grift, try, try to find some grievance. Uh, so much of our society is grievance-based culture now. Everybody just, you know, it's a choice to hate, and it is a choice usually to be a victim. People want to feel like a victim. People want to hate. They've chosen. You can choose differently if you want. Americans for Prosperity is hoping people choose limited government and freedom. They're going around the country educating people on why it's a good thing for us if the federal government is smaller, if we deregulate for small businesses, to put small businesses at a competitive advantage, uh, to deal with the big businesses around them that so often live and thrive on government subsidy. They want you on their team. They got over 4 million activists around the country. You can go sign up with Americans for Prosperity at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. They'll teach you how to be an effective advocate for limited government, for free markets, for free people. They'll teach you how to be an effective advocate for common sense solutions that are conservative, like, for example, school choice. Huge advocates of school choice. They'll even teach you how to make persuasive cases to your neighbors who may raise concerns or even to go to your state legislature and push for school choice. Those of you in states where school choice is is up this year in the state legislature, like here in Georgia, Americans for Prosperity would love to have you. They'll teach you to be an effective advocate for school choice. Americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Go sign up with them today. Enhance your game as a conservative activist around the country with Americans for Prosperity. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Please text DATA to 33777. Pre-order my new book. Um, Help me get a bestseller. Okay. Last week, I introduced you to Philip Singleton, who's running in the 3rd Congressional District in Georgia. Uh, You guys have been wanting me to highlight candidates who would be great for the cause and could win. Well, uh, Philip's got several competitors. One of them is also a friend of mine who is in the state Senate, and his name is Mike Crane, another great conservative running for office. We are blessed to have great candidates. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Eric. Blessed to be on with you today. Thanks for uh, having me on. Okay, so let me just start out with the usual question of why on earth do you want to go to Congress? (laughs) Well, there, there's something in very short supply up there in D.C., Eric, and it's called integrity. And the only way I know to get some up there is to take it myself. So that, it's just you get called to do something. You can't you can't shirk your responsibility or you end up in the uh, belly of a whale, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you also had to you you put up with a lot in the state senate in Georgia. Um, oftentimes, I just felt like uh, so often it was just a, a a conservatives getting played in the state legislature, whether school choice and other stuff. And um, you, you had to put up with that for a while too. And so you you've seen that side of things where the leadership yeah. makes all sorts of promises and never delivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that I mean, that's not unusual. I mean, it's just what people don't actually get a chance to see it. And so in having that opportunity to serve in the Senate, yeah, we were on the front lines taking the taking the darts and taking the arrows uh, as we stood for just the principles all of us believe in. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still convinced, Eric, that most people are conservative at their core. They just have been told a lie, and they don't believe it. So... They, they want integrity in their institutions, and they want a sense of security in their life, and they're not willing to trade their freedom for it, nor should they have to. And so I think that's, that's our goal here with this campaign is to make sure they, they have a good option when it comes to selecting their next congressperson from the 3rd District. So you know, let's talk about the third for a minute. So for those outside of Georgia listening, or even inside of Georgia, this is the the part of the the, the state that you represented, the state senate. It's it's you got Peachtree City in there around the Fayetteville area. It's been redistricted a little bit, but uh, kind of north, central, south of Atlanta, south of I twenty. I mean, it, it, when you look at that district itself, I mean, we we you got big issues out there: the national debt and spending and and the border and stuff. But within the third itself. What is kind of that issue that you're hearing about from people? Well, when you you go anywhere in the district, and so I'm a general contractor, so I'm working and talking to people every day. Tracy and I, my, my lovely wife, are realtors together also, and so we're constantly talking to people, and, and they're talking about the major issues you just mentioned. It, it is border security. It is national security. It's personal financial security. People feel like they're really standing on some very un, untenable ground. It, it doesn't feel like it did in 2019. I, I, I mean, as I recall, it was as good an economy as I've seen in my lifetime. And then COVID came and, and shook those foundations. And then Biden came and it seems intent on destroying them all. Um, <laughs> he sure does. People want to see that, feel that sense of security that they sh- they should re- – expect out of their institutions that are designed to protect those liberties that God's given us. You know, I, I had forgotten uh, you and your wife were, were in the real estate business. How, do you see, that, like, for example, there's this big suspicion in Texas that the people who come into Texas, they'll they'll change the character of the state. And the data actually shows that the people coming are seeking refuge from a place like California, that they're oftentimes more conservative than the people who are coming. And I, I, what, what's the, the sort of people who are moving into the third? Um, are, are they refuge seekers for, from liberalism or escaping the crime in Atlanta, that sort of thing? Well, you've got one of the challenges for folks that are trying to move in this market right now is that the median priced house cannot be afforded by the median income person. Uh, you combine the uh, the way the prices of homes have gone up, and you uh, factor in the Bidenomics and uh, and the impact on inflation, and you have unaffordable housing for just about everyone except cash buyers. But the folks we've run into that are that are our clients and that we interact with in the marketplace, conservatives are coming here. People that actually. They may not know it yet, but to my point, that's the goal of our campaign. We're going we're gonna to reintroduce people to their own conservatism, whether they know it or not. 
And uh, I think uh, people relate to that. They wouldn't have escaped, uh, have escaped those areas uh, if they were not tuned in to knowing what was going on and was mm-hmm. impacting them in a negative way. So they're coming here for a haven. They're coming here uh, because the promise of a limited government at least seems feasible certainly here in the third district we're we're arguably one of we we say we're the most conservative district in the state with that that's is debatable but we're in the top two or three for sure yeah i, I think so i i just don't see a, a way for a democrat to handle it and this is why i want to highlight races like this because i mean there may be somebody listening right now on my station in salem oregon and they're like my gosh i have no one good i can support well here's some good candidates who actually can shape the future of the country you win a district like the third in Georgia, you may not represent people in Oregon, but you're certainly a conservative vote for them. You are a conservative vote in the state legislature. We talked about this a little bit. When you go to Washington, you're in a situation where we've got a conservative speaker. We've only got a two to three seat majority right now. So his hands are somewhat tied because of the moderate Republicans who constantly betray the conservatives in, in the House. And it just seems like all of leadership and we've seen this with certain conservatives here in Georgia who go to Washington and suddenly they're they're flunkies for leadership and don't advance the goal. How do you, because you deal with this in the state state legislature, kind of inoculate yourself from the lure of the leadership team that you have to give up your values if you want to be on? Yeah, I think uh, Thomas Massey, I'm, I'm the congressman from Kentucky, uh, you're familiar with him. Mm-hmm. He's pretty well inoculated against whatever they, they, they're throwing at him up there. And uh, we both have come to the conclusion, and when I've talked to him in the past, it's, it's something you have to be resistant to long before you ever enter into these arenas. You don't get to acquire an immunity once you get there. And so whatever it is, I'll just give the credit to God and, and whatever he's put in me. I think he might have done it in in uh, fifth grade down in Fairview, Tennessee, when I saw a young lady getting bullied in class by the teacher, nonetheless, I made the the brave and heroic uh, pronouncement when I stood up and told the teacher to leave her alone. I spent the rest of the day in the corner. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, leadership likes to kind of shift you to the corner, but uh, there's much to be accomplished by having conservative voices that are resolute in these positions of, of responsibility. So uh, we're going to, we're going to put forward our best effort to make that a successful thing. The, the people of the third district deserve a true conservative voice. You, you mentioned Thomas Massey. I just, I have so much respect for a guy like that who gets the, the slings and arrows from both sides, just because he's, he's got convictions that don't necessarily march to the beat of, of the standard member of Congress, but he stands up for him and for limited government and, willing to take on his own side. I just, I, I sometimes get so frustrated. We get people up there who just, they, they don't want to, they want to fight the the Democrats, but they're never willing to actually hold their own side accountable or, or my buddy Chip Roy for that matter, gets so much hate from his own side just for saying, guys, we got a border, we got to secure it. And, and the establishment just doesn't want to. Yeah. Well, that's the opportunity we have, Eric, right now. So somewhere, all around the nation, you were talking about folks in Oregon that don't have representation that they that represents them. Uh, there, there's parts of the, the nation all over the place. Folks are frustrated that way. But there's at least the last time I checked, there's 33 incumbents in Congress that are leaving. And so those are 33 opportunities to send 
great ambassadors of the conservative movement. I mean, true limited government, true personal responsibility, um, true security in the sense of good policy. And so we we need to pick up a lot of those seats, and then that voting block is that much bigger. It's so Chip Roy has the the, the firepower in a in a voting block that can help move this country in the right direction. I mean, if, if we're successful and we're able to serve, we're going to know we've done good things. If the debt clock's running in the other direction. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm I'm glad you said that because that that kind of gets to my next issue on 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 the things you care about in Washington, it does not seem that either side is taking what's coming seriously. You had Mitch Daniels last week in the Washington Post say, write a piece that essentially said, guys, just bring on the crisis. We're clearly not, we don't care about it. We might as well get hit with it. So we have to deal with it. I'm deeply worried about not just interest rates causing the debt service payments to go up, but that neither the GOP nor the Democrats seem to actually take seriously the ticking time bomb that is the debt. It is probably the the less the least well, thing that on people's front they don't understand how big a ticking time bomb that is. I guess that's what I'm trying to get to. Um, it is so significant. In just the last seven years, the debt, the national debt, the national obligation we're putting on our grandchildren has increased $15 trillion. And those numbers are incomprehensible, and they just think they can continue to print money. We have got to institute uh, discipline in our financial house so that we can protect the future. I mean, you know the founders well. You're well-read in that arena. And they, they were they were duty bound not to saddle the following generation with any debt. And we should do our best to make sure that debt level is decreasing and no longer increasing. And there's ways to do it. And there's ways and shrinking the federal government is a is a good beginning. But there's there's much more work to do. Um, so, yeah, it, definitely. Well, okay, so we're we're almost out of time here, and, and I want to give you a chance to plug your website. And how can people, if if you're just tuning in, talking to Mike Graney, he's running for Congress, the third congressional district in Georgia. Don't let that dissuade you outside of Georgia. You, we win this seat, we get a good conservative in Congress who can help shape policy nationwide. So, Mike, how do people find out about your campaign? Well, we're building out all our website and all our social media right now. Because, uh, but you reach us at craneforcongress.com. And crane spelled C-R-A-N-E, like the large mechanical device designed to lift very heavy loads. That's me. Um, or if you prefer the bird version, there's one of those with long, skinny legs. That's I've been accused of that, too. So craneforcongress.com. <laughs> By the way, I, I, I should tell you, my, so my oldest is, is listening to us right now, and she says, you tell him that he needs to pass law that the government has to take Dave Ramsey's program. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much good material out there we should teach. Right? Yeah, there really is. You do is. it every day. So keep up the good work, Eric. We really Well, it's a pleasure you. talking to you. Best of luck to you. Thanks. Mike Crane, y'all, uh, running for Congress. I introduced you to Philip Singleton last week. Uh, they're, now they're running against They're both friends of mine. One was in the State House. One was in the State Senate. Um, and it, it, they'd be great conservatives in Congress. Um, and... We got to you improve seats like this or, or take, you know, I had Dave McCormick on the other day. It doesn't matter if you're listening in Georgia or California or Oregon or wherever you you start helping get these guys elected around the country. You're starting to put points on the board 
for the right. And I just feel like part of my job should be to introduce you to those candidates who are going to put points on the board for the right, move not just away from Democratic control, but also ensure conservative control. Doesn't matter if you got a bunch of Republicans, you don't have any conservatives. We got to have people on the right who are in the right to get there. Now, when we come back, if you're listening in Texas, I got a lot of listeners in Texas. They don't want you using your washing machine and dryer today because of the cold. Is that not insane? How did we, the greatest country on the planet, suddenly have a third world power grid? Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Hello there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. We got to talk about Texas for just a minute. Everyone, as Texas goes, so does so much of the rest of the nation. In Texas, their energy services and power companies are begging people not to use their washers and dryers because it's very cold in Texas. How do we, the greatest country ever, have a third world power grid? Are, are people just, have, have people settled? Because it, it seems like People are settling, like they're they're feeling like there's nothing they can do. And, and I got a sense that some of the resentment that we see that is tied, for example, into the rise of people like Donald Trump and others is a resentment that that there are clear, obvious problems in the country, and our political leaders are telling us, just deal with it. We're not going to make changes to them. How do you not build more nuclear power plants when you're you got a cold wave coming? This is not exactly an anomaly. It happened a few years ago, too. And, and your solution is, well, we're going to tell people not to use their power. The move to Teslas, my apologies to those of you who have Teslas. You know, in, in parts of the country, they're breaking because of the cold weather. In Chicago, it was so cold in Chicago, it was impossible to charge them. You know, the batteries don't do well in cold weather. In Chicago, There were there's a news story in the Chicago Sun-Times about the mass number of people with electric cars, particularly Teslas, that were stranded because they took them to charging stations to charge and the batteries couldn't heat to a point to even charge. People were stranded. How are we accepting this as a society? It's like the fentanyl deaths. We're now expecting people to walk around with Narcan just in case they see someone uh, who might be overdosing so you can give them a shot to save their life. How are we as a country accepting mass death from fentanyl and overdoses of drugs the mass crime waves we're seeing, the homeless everywhere. You know, I was actually, I, I had to go drop my car off to get the oil changed today. And I was walking, there's a homeless man walking down the street. And there were multiple black people in front of me, one of whom I know who's a prominent doctor in my town. Guy walks right past him. They're, they're both a, a black homeless man, a black doctor, walks right past him. Sees me, comes straight to me and begs me for money. Like, you didn't ask them, that guy's richer than me. <laughs> How are we excited? The, the, the mass homeless, or I'm sorry, the unhousedness in the country, the power grid going out all the time, the food supply being screwed up. We have defined this level of, it's just, it, it's ridiculous to me. 
Talk about defining deviancy down. We're defining the state of the country down, and the politicians are expecting us to. That's why there's this undercurrent of resentment through the country, I think, because you and I all know it shouldn't have to be like this. We shouldn't be forced into cars that cannot charge when it's too cold. We should not be forced to not wash our clothes because we don't have enough supply in the power grid. That's not our problem. We put these people in charge of it, and they failed, and now they're putting it back on us. You're the idiots we elected. Maybe ultimately it is on our side because we we elected you people, but you people promised us to have solutions. The elite in this country, the political players in this country, they promised us they would fix this stuff and said they made it worse. And it's bipartisan. It is bipartisan. The power grid in Texas, that state is overwhelmingly Republican. What do they do? They move to wind and solar. They don't have enough baseload power. They haven't built a nuclear power plant. It's Texas, for God's sakes. You should have multiple nuclear power plants, and you don't. Y'all, all of the problems are foreseeable. They're all foreseeable. We should have been able to plan for them. We elected people. They appointed bureaucrats, all of whom should see this stuff. And instead, they're telling us, well, it's not going to be as good tomorrow as it was yesterday. That's unacceptable. That is quintessentially not an American way of thinking. The American way of thinking is always that our best days are ahead of us, and instead, now Democrats and Republicans both are telling us to settle. That's the allure of Trump for so many people that I don't think the elite understand is that he tells them you're not supposed to settle. Tomorrow's supposed to be better than today. And instead, we're told we're to settle for 80-year-old politicians running the country. We're told to settle for the bureaucrats controlling our lives and that we should take three hours to wash our dishes with an appliance instead of an hour to wash our dishes. we got to settle. Our water heaters have to be replaced every three years because of the regulation. Y'all, this is unacceptable, and we need the politicians on the right to champion these issues that we should not have to settle for this garbage. You should be able to wash your clothes when it's cold outside.